Christmas is upon us. I mean, wow, it's kind of crazy. Six days, I hear, right? So uh, we are at the final week of our pre-Christmas series called A Christmas Carol. And before we get into it, I just want to give a little bit of a year-end report. Um, it is the end of 2021, another adventurous year. And uh, we just want to let you know what goes on here and what we get to do here as a church. Uh, so many of you uh, have been a part of Rancho for a, a while, but we are welcoming new people, new families to our church every single week here live uh, on site and also online. So many new families, particularly young families, just enjoying our message and our mission. And so we want to just give you a quick like five minute update on what we have done in 2021. Uh, it has been a year of continued generosity when COVID hit the church. Um, uh, it hit the church hard. I mean, you talk about an industry that was hit probably the hardest in America, it was churches. You cannot meet for over a year. And we did pivot it to online and then we were able in 2021 uh, to open back up live right around Easter. And we've been here ever since and thoroughly enjoying that. Um, and all of the, the, the struggles of not being here, we never ever pulled back a single dollar from our local and from our international partners. So uh, we call this Count Me In. So Count Me In is our local and global efforts to really bring the mercy and justice of Jesus Christ to people who are in need. And so I'm gonna run through a, a list. This is gonna go quick. Our tech team has been exercising their index fingers because this is gonna go really fast on the slides. Ready? Community Mission of Hope, we launched in 2009 uh, during the Great Recession to help hundreds and hundreds of families in need, and we still do that today, uh, every single month, providing food and case management and love and care, tangible uh, help to people that are in need. I was just there a couple of days ago, saw the, the volunteers, dozens of people organizing the food in their beautiful warehouse, and so it's great to be able to continue that ministry. Rancho Damasitas, we, we uh, run, we operate as well uh, for single moms and babies, providing housing, case management management towards self-sufficiency, outreach farm project, a great pleasure to help found, uh, providing farm fresh produce to every uh, pantry in the region, helping so many in need. Thanksgiving meals we've talked about just recently, over 3,000 meals provided. Operation Christmas Child through Rancho, thousands of boxes go all over the world to children who are in need. Uh, Christmas gift cards where single moms can have the dignity of buying a present for their own kids. Disaster relief, this happens constantly around here. For the tornadoes, we're gonna do something early January you'll, you'll hear about. Celebrate recovery every single week without fail, helping people struggling through hurts and habits. Birth Choice, a long-term partner. We're founding partner caring for women who are experiencing unwanted pregnancies. My City Youth Center, one of our newest partnerships. Uh, this great organization in Hemet coming alongside children, youth, and single moms at risk, giving them tangible need, counseling. Project Touch, we're a founding church, um, providing uh, housing to over 100, I think right now 150 uh, people who are homeless, no longer because they're in Project Touch. Night to Shine, Prom for Special Needs, we talked about that. Thrive Ministry, it's not just Sunday school for special needs, but uh, every time we do a children's event, there's always a special need uh, segment for them to give them the priority that they deserve. Johnny and Friends, uh, Summer Camp for Special Needs Kids, um, those are our local efforts, and this is not the full list by a long shot. We also have Count Me In global efforts. And I'll be real quick here. Go Beyond, we send over 100 students to six countries. Uh, that was pre-COVID. We can't wait to get back to that. Not quite ready yet. Every Generation Ministry in Mexico, we support. Campus Crusade in Kazakhstan, EFCA in Greece, Wycliffe in the Philippines, Wycliffe in Cameroon, Medical Missions in Southern Mexico, Tribal Areas, Nexus Mission in China. Uh, we help to support a uh, Mozambique uh, school for orphans. 
Paz y Esperanza, one of our favorite and newest international partner, provide safe homes for sexually abused children in, in uh, Peru, plus legal aid, which they do not get uh, from the public. Uh, Global Outreach International through the Ireland, sent from uh, Rancho to Ethiopia. The Breakfast Club, also in Ethiopia, and I believe they just started in Costa Rica, Costa Rica helping uh, Alyssa from Rancho again. Sent International, uh, Brooke Nagels worked to support the youth of Spain, again from Rancho. Uh, Global Church Ministries through the Eismans, Plus One Palawana, we launched that uh, about a decade ago uh, to provide medical treatment to tribal children, in particular life-saving uh, treatment to, to them. We helped to launch Imani Christian School, a school for orphans in Kenya, going incredibly well. Pioneers per Peru is a mission agency that we started, uh, helped to start in Peru, sending missionaries to the ends of the earth where Americans can't go. So again, that's a short list of Count Me In International. And that's, that's just some of the stuff that we get to do together as a church. And I want to encourage you, if you are willing and able to give a special year-end gift to Count Me In, all you have to do is go to rancho.tv slash giving. There's a drop-down menu, Count Me In. That's the fund that takes care of all of this. And uh, so I can't thank you enough for your consideration. I know some families can't, which is fine. But if you can, to give that special year-end gift would be great, rancho.tv slash giving. All right. That was a mouthful. I'm exhausted. You're like, yeah, try hearing that. Um, we're at our final week of the Christmas Carol series. This is our pre-Christmas series, talking about Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future. Of course, it's a fun idea around that Charles Dickens novel of 1843 as, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge is just this grumpy, old, you know, greedy man who's mean. And, and so Ghost of Christmas, past, present, and future leads him through why he's so grumpy and a new life that he can live. And he has this life transformation and becomes instantaneously kind, generous, and selfless. Uh, I wish it worked like that, but we're following that same sort of formula. Um, two weeks ago, we talked about Christmas past. 2,000 years ago, the actual birth of Jesus and, and the story behind that, really a tragic story of how the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us, was born under such oppression and such hardship. But at that birth, there was an announcement in Matthew 1 that she, Mary, would give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that is the stunning truth about Christmas. 2,000 years ago, God with us. When God chose to reveal himself fully, he didn't do that through the written word. He didn't do that through um, just stories. He didn't do that through oral traditions. He did that in person. When God fully reveals himself, it's in person. And so all these questions sort of get answered in the person of Jesus. Questions like, who was God? Well, look to Jesus. He's not a force. He's not this ominous judge. He came to us in person. Well, what is God like? Look to Jesus. And even Jesus says, I am gentle and humble in heart. Who is God? Look to Jesus. What does he want? Well, look to Jesus. He wants peace between humankind and God, and he wants peace among us all. He wants peace. What is his plan? Look to Jesus. His plan is to seek and save that which is lost. What is his mission? Jesus himself said, the most important thing is mercy, justice, and faithfulness to the great commandment to love. Mercy, justice, and love. That's Christmas past. Christmas past is Emmanuel, God with us. We see everything we need to know about God in the person of Jesus. 
And then Pastor Carissa led us wonderfully through Christmas present last week. If you haven't seen that, check it out online, rancher.tv. And, um, and she wa- walked us through this incredible reality that Jesus isn't just about 2,000 years ago, but the presence of Christ and the Christmas message is true for us today, that God with us is about right here and right now, that we only experience God in this moment right now. And to be in this moment and to be present with the present Jesus Christ here. And today we're gonna travel through time a little bit. We're gonna go to Christmas future. We're gonna imagine the future that Jesus was born to build. Let me say that again. We're gonna imagine the future that Jesus was born to build. Because if we go back to Christmas past, we see his birth. He wasn't just born for his family. He wasn't just born for the shepherds that were there that night. He wasn't just born for his own tribe or, or the Hebrew people. Jesus wasn't just born for his time and his place. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, was born that Christmas night for the whole world, throughout all time and throughout all eternity. To put it this way, Jesus was born to build a better future, what he called the kingdom of heaven on earth. Jesus was born to build a better future that he called the kingdom of heaven on earth. And that's pretty clear when he was born. When he was born in Christmas past, there was this promise of a Christmas future. Check this out in Luke 2.14. Glory to God in the highest. It's a song we sang today. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Was the earth peaceful when Jesus was born? What's the answer? No. Was there goodwill? To men, when Jesus was born? What's the answer? No. This wasn't talking about the time of Jesus' birth. This was projecting a future, a Christmas future, that one day we would actually experience peace on earth and goodwill toward men. That wasn't happening at the time of Christ. At the time of Christ, the Roman government was occupying Israel with brutal force, violence, sword, crucifixions, taxing them to poverty, treating them essentially as slaves. And to add to that burden, here's the religious leaders who are supposed to care for the people. They're adding more burden, more religious commands on them. You're not good enough. You're not religious enough. You're not faithful enough. You're not following the commands enough. So not only are they being oppressed by the, by, by the Roman invaders, they're being oppressed by their own people, their own religious leaders, never thinking they're good enough, never thinking they're gonna escape this oppression. There was no peace on earth. There was no goodwill toward men. During the time of Christ, the rich hated the poor, the poor hated the rich. The Jews hated the Gentiles, the Gentiles hated the Jews. The healthy despised the sick. The region of Judah despised Galilee, Galilee despised Judah. Pharisees hated Sadducees, Sadducees hated Pharisees. And there were 11, count them, 11 political parties that all hated each other. We have trouble with two. Imagine 11 political parties warring against each other in this tiny little nation of Israel, oppressed by government invasion, oppressed by sword, oppressed by religion. There was no peace on earth. There was no goodwill toward men. And so this promise was about a Christmas future, a Christmas to come that Jesus called the kingdom of heaven. And that day is coming on earth. 
There is a day coming, and I have argued multiple times, is coming now, right? Things are getting better here and now towards a Christmas future where there will be peace on earth and goodwill toward men. And this is where a lot of people tune out, and a lot of people start rolling their eyes and shaking their head at me. Because they're thinking, what are you talking about? You know, things aren't getting better, they're getting worse. That is not true. I mean, the hardest part of my job (laughs) over the last 15 years has been to convince people that we're not falling into an apocalypse, but that we're actually building the kingdom of heaven on earth. Get excited about it. Put a smile on your face. Let's get to the work of building heaven on earth. I mean, it is an exciting time to be alive doing something positive together in the name of God, partnering with each other, partnering with global humanity to bring the future that Jesus imagined. But a lot of people are like, dude, you're crazy, right? I've been taught my whole life that we're heading to apocalypse. I've been taught my whole life things are getting worse and that salvation is getting off of this rock and this entire place will be consumed by fire and everybody remaining will literally be burned to death. That's what I was taught when I was a kid. I mean, scared out of my mind. What if I'm left behind? What if I'm still here? Where's this tribulation thing? I mean, it's just constantly weighing, this religious apocalyptic kind of thinking, weighing on so many people. And what that does is it robs us of believing there could be a Christmas future. It robs us of believing there could actually be peace on earth and goodwill toward men. We've given up that entirely. So for us, salvation is getting out of here. Come, Jesus, come. Get me gone. It's like, next time I hear, come, Jesus, come, I'm going to stop, stop you in your tracks and grab you by the shoulder. Do you act, are you actually praying for that, knowing that, okay, you get out and God's holy hell fire consumes everybody else who's left behind? Is that what you want? That's what you're praying for? Uh, bah, 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 bah. Think about it. If we were raised with an apocalyptic worldview, think about what our, quote, hope is and think about what, quote, salvation is. I don't think it's quite aligned with the Christmas future that Jesus himself envisioned and came to build. Let me make this as simple as possible. John 3, 17, right? The most famous chapter in the Bible, following the most famous verse in the Bible, listen to what Jesus says about why he came. God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And this saving the world is not to pluck out all the holy and right people and burn everything else. It's saving this place. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Now listen, I was raised in an apocalyptic worldview. So I get it. I was raised in religious apocalyptic worldview. If you were in any kind of church environment, typically in the 80s and 90s, so I'm kind of aging myself there as well, you understand what that's like. For those of you who are, who are younger, uh, maybe you're in your 30s or younger, you're blessed because maybe you weren't raised in this apocalyptic worldview. But let me just have a little moment of compassion for the apocalyptist. <laughs> apocalyptic worldview was birthed because the 20th century was such a disaster. The 20th century was a disaster. World War I, Great Depression, World War II, the Cold War, Vietnam War, Korean War, genocide on a scale never seen before in human history. Tens of millions of people murdered by warfare and genocide. 20th century was historically a disaster. 
So it's completely understandable that the apocalyptic worldview is birthed out of the 20th century because it sure seemed as though things were getting worse. And then you add, you know, thermonuclear war as a possibility, you can kind of get why people started reading the book of Revelation a little different. If you don't know the book of Revelation, end of your Bible, it used to be thought of as, wow, a new world is being created. After the 20th century, you read the book of Revelation, it's all coming to an end, right? It's just a matter of perspective. And so two worldviews emerged out of the 20th century. One worldview was a, a worldview of humanitarianism. Humanitarianism, where a lot of the world looked at each other and said, all these world wars and the prospect of thermonuclear war and colonialism and invasions and all this stuff, um, we can do better. So the vision of humanitarianism, the humanitarianistic worldview says we can do better. We're not gonna slide into that anymore. We're gonna rally together. We're gonna come together. We're gonna build a better world together. It's humanitarianism. But there's also apocalyptic vision uh, emerged as well, primarily from a lot of religious corners, especially in the Christian religion. In the Christian religion, an apocalyptic worldview, everything's coming to an end. And so salvation was redefined, not as saving this world, but getting off this world to a floaty, cloudy spiritual place while this whole thing blows up. Apocalyptic worldview. I don't think that's aligned with the heart of Christ or the cause of Christ. But I'm telling you, apocalypse sells. You want to sell Christian books right on the apocalypse, especially in the 80s and 90s and even in the 2000s. You want amens and hallelujahs and a sermon you preach about the end of the world and we the good ones and we the right ones escape and everybody else literally burns. Amen, hallelujah, pastor, go for it. We're the right ones, we're the good ones. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. We're good, they're bad. We win, they lose. I mean, you talk about a narrative that sells. God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The single hardest thing I've ever gone through in my faith was transitioning from an apocalyptic worldview to a humanitarian worldview. Embracing this idea of Christmas future, there will come a day of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. The hardest thing I do for a living right now as a pastor is to try to convince people as they're willing to walk from an apocalyptic worldview to a humanitarian worldview. And again, usually they're in their 40s and older. And some people are like, no, can't do it. I am out. I cannot do that. Get me to my apocalypse. I want to win this war. When Christmas future, the vision of Jesus wasn't about winning a war, us versus them. It's about linking arms, humankind linking arms and saying, we're gonna follow the example of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus and we're gonna build a Christmas future. So I have 10 minutes left and we're gonna go to Christmas future. We're gonna go to the future. I brought my time machine. Uh, let me turn this thing on. All right, built by JBL. And we're gonna go into the future together. So um, get ready, hold on to your loved ones. This is gonna be a little journey here. Ready, let's go. Whew. All right, oops, we gotta get back. All right, I know that was cheesy, but we are. <laughs> we are here, we are here in Christmas future. Um, if you haven't seen the movies, don't run into your younger self. It will mess up the whole time-space continuum. <laughs> so we are here in Christmas future. We are here 
in the world that Jesus came to build. And how do we know what kind of world we live in now in Christmas future? Because Jesus gave the vision of Christmas future when he preached the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter five, six, and seven, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, let's dream a little bit. Let's dream of what the world can be in the future. So we're gonna go through a few of the most famous passages in the Sermon on the Mount to know what kind of future we just arrived in. Ready? Start of the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus came to build the kingdom of heaven. And that means for the poor in spirit, and, and, and that means people who are literally poor, they are marginalized, they are judged, uh, they are outcast, they are without power in this world. Those who are poor in spirit, they're suffering, they're struggling, they've experienced loss. The poor in spirit in Christmas future that we just arrived in, they are elevated. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. They are treated as equals. They are treated as family. Everybody is at the table of friendship. Everybody is at the table of family. Everybody is at the table of power and influence. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So here in Christmas future, we live in a world of peace and goodwill that lifts up the poor, lifts up the suffering, and lifts up the broken. It's a pretty cool place, isn't it? Look around, this is pretty awesome. Matthew 5, 16, Jesus said, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Jesus is imagining a future where everyone is eager to do good deeds. They're eager to do good deeds. They're free from religious oppression. They're free from the burden of trying to have to please God or satisfy God or, or this angry God has to be made happy with us by our religion and by our good works. We're free from all that. So we're living free and deciding to do good. It is our joy and our pleasure to do good for the sake of others. And so we're making a decision in our freedom to be kind in our community, to be kind to our neighbors. Even if there's a little conflict, to, to, to match that with kindness and serving one another. We're gonna be kind in our community so when some monster truck is confronting us through the window of our car, we respond with kindness, right? We're not stepping up conflict for conflict and escalating all this stuff, right? We're here to do good for the glory of God and the benefit of others. We're gonna be generous with what we have. We're gonna be charitable people. We're gonna look out for those who might be struggling and we're gonna provide a little bit of help through a kind word, through tangible help. This is who we're gonna be. We're gonna do good deeds and by those good deeds, God is praised. This is a pretty cool future we live in now, isn't it? We're eager to do good for one another, looking out for each other. Jesus goes on to say, hey, listen, in this future Christmas, right, um, it's not perfect. It's not perfect. There's still gonna be some tough people. There's gonna be some knuckleheads out there. There's gonna be some, some bad people. There are gonna be oppressors still in Christmas future. But how do we deal with that? How do we deal with injustice? Jesus gives us some help in Matthew chapter five. He says, but I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also, right? Turn the other cheek. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. There was a Roman code that says, if you are a Roman soldier, you could come across a non-Roman citizen and force them to carry your stuff, right? That was walking one mile. There's a limit to it. And it was completely unjust. I mean, here you are, you're running your business, you're, you're tilling soil in your farm, and a soldier had every right under Roman law to say, hey, you, you're carrying my stuff, let's go. 
and you'd have to do it. What does Jesus say? You're forced to go one, voluntarily go two. I mean, and I know some of us might think, that's terrible, this is a terrible injustice. And yes, that is absolutely true. A terrible injustice, a violent empire enslaving your people, forcing you to, to walk a mile, voluntarily go to. Basically what Jesus is saying is don't match violence for violence. If somebody hits you on the right cheek, off or the left also, don't meet violence for violence. That's all he was saying. If somebody is by force compelling you to walk a mile, voluntarily go to. Don't meet violence for violence. Meet violence with compassion. Jesus is not saying, well, let violence happen, who cares? Or let injustice happen, who cares? He's not saying that at all. In fact, Jesus was very clear about his, 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 his absolute thirst for justice for all, especially the marginalized and minorities. And he absolutely was fiercely for justice. But he's saying you don't establish justice, violence for violence. You establish justice by confronting violence with love. And isn't that how Jesus lived his own life? When he was reviled and abused, he did not revile and abuse in return. When he was a victim of violence, he wasn't violent in return to the point of bearing the cross and suffering the cross, taking the worst of the world's sin and suffering upon himself, killing the very son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. The full violence and injustice of the world perpetrated against Emmanuel, the son of God. It was love that raised Jesus from the dead, not violence. That's the kingdom of heaven. That's Christmas future. It's a pretty cool place. Difficult at times, but a pretty cool place. Jesus goes on to say, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Now he's talking about kind of how we help people. Um, at the time of Christ and still largely today, a, a lot of us might, you know, the stuff that we have, the treasure that we have, uh, we kind of keep to ourselves. We've earned it. Uh, it is ours, it's in our bank account, and it's in our homes, and it's what we drive, it's our stuff. Jesus was graciously encouraging us to not cling tightly to stuff, to hold our treasure with an open hand, and to say, God, you gave me some skills and gifts and abilities, and yes, I work hard, and yes, I earn this money, and absolutely, I get to provide for myself and my family, 100%. Absolutely, we get to enjoy life, no problem. Absolutely, save for the future, no problem but also use some of that to help other people. And Jesus says, if you use some of your treasure to help other people, your heart's gonna go that direction also. This is a, a fascinating bit of teaching here that Jesus didn't say, you know, volunteer and your heart will follow, although that does happen. But he says, invest some money and your heart will follow. So Jesus kind of knows how a, a lot of us are, are driven. I'll give you just a little example here. Um, years ago, I started uh, just buying a couple of stocks, you know, not a lot, believe me. Uh, I bought Apple and Ford. I drove a Ford, had an Apple computer. I bought Apple and Ford just to get started. And I'm telling you, I used to like Apple and Ford. Drop a few bucks in stocks, you really, <laughs> your heart goes where your investment is, right? That's what Jesus is saying is here, is, is maybe for some of us to get aligned with the heart of Christ, it might be going, okay, a little bit of resources that direction to help. Okay, let's do it. It's a little painful to kind of have it with an open hand and give charitably and generously. But once we do, and we see the impact of what goes on there, wow, that's kind of cool. Now my heart is more aligned with the cause of Christ. It's a pretty cool future here, right? Jesus goes on in Matthew 7. 
He says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? I wish people paid attention to this verse. I mean, especially religious circles. I hate to keep dogging on the Christian religion. I mean, but nobody judges like the Christian religion. And like enough is enough, right? Enough is enough. I mean, I've just seen time and time again, and believe me, I've heard it countless times. It's like, you're not calling out people's sin. It's like, and I say this every time. So if you're gonna confront me with that, here's what you're gonna get. Let's get it over with. You gotta call out sins of others. Okay, per- fantastic. I'm gonna start with yours. For the next two hours, we're gonna go in that room. I spent a lot of time in that room back there. And we're gonna talk about your sin for two hours. Oh, no, no, uh, no, I'm talking about the sins of others. Oh, I get it. Just another religious hypocrite. I get it. Now listen, I understand that upbringing. I understand being in a religious environment and it was about calling out the sin of others and countless conversations about what is sin and what is not. And that's like, wow, where's the gospel? Gospel means good news, good news of forgiveness in Jesus Christ. It's not based on anything we do. It's based on what God has done for us. And yet we're going around finger pointing everybody else's sin, managing everybody else's sin. And I love this one. Uh, what is the sin you have to repent of in order to come to, to God's grace? How stupid is that? What is the sin I have to get rid of to be forgiven of my sin? It's just stupid. Online people, it's just stupid. The gospel is a message of grace and good news. We are forgiven just as we are, where we are. And to enjoy that and to accept that and receive that free gift is the gospel. And that let God's grace just give you joy and confidence. Never believe God is against you. Never believe God is judging you. Never believe God is gonna ruin your life because you're bad or because you've done something in the past. Just believe he's a loving, gracious heavenly father who's for you and he loves you and he embraces you and he says you are perfect. And that grace is gonna have some work in your life. That's your journey. I don't have to manage your journey. I don't have to call out your sin any more than you have to call out mine. We're walking together. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. And worry about the log in your own eye. I mean, this may come as a shock to you, but I am not a perfect person in line perfectly with the life and character of Jesus. I've got stuff to worry about, so why am I gonna worry about your stuff? It doesn't make any sense, right? Now, I just wanna be clear here. This is true throughout God's word in the life of Jesus. If one person is hurting another, we need to step in and make sure that hurt stops. So this is not that foolishness of, oh, anything goes because of God's grace, right? And anything goes, everything's okay. No, if you're hurting you, you've got to stop hurting this person. And we will step in and make sure that, you know, that that stops. We're never going to allow people to hurt other people. That is unjust. So when we say the cause of Christ is mercy, justice, and love, it is about making sure that we protect people and look out for people but it also means we're not gonna morally police each other as though moral policing somehow gets us closer to God. It does not. This Christmas future that we all arrived in about nine minutes ago, it's a pretty cool place. We're not judging each other. We're walking on a journey together in our own unique way, in our walk with God towards the likeness of Christ. And then finally, Christmas future that Jesus imagined that he was born to build is summed up in a single sentence. Like, why were we here for half an hour then? Well, a single sentence sums up Christmas future. The world that Jesus was born to build. Matthew 7, 12, you've heard it probably a million times. 
do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. That's called what? The golden rule. And what does Jesus say about the golden rule? This is the essence of all that is taught in the Bible. One sentence. I wish I knew that before I started studying all 1,100 pages of the Old Testament and New Testament. I say that in jest. I love that book. But it's all summed up in one sentence. One sentence. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. If we lived our life like that, every conversation, every interaction, every situation, every good time and bad time, every wonderful connection and in every conflict, in every celebration and in every heartache, I'm here to treat other people the way I would want them to treat me. Think about that when crazy Uncle Jimmy's at your dinner table this Christmas Eve. How would I want to be treated? That's how I'm going to treat crazy Uncle Jimmy. That's how I'm going to treat the person who may have been mean to us or may have hurt us. How am I going to treat them? How am I going to treat the stranger on the street? How would I want to be treated? That's how I'm going to treat others, with goodness and kindness and generosity, patience without judgment, with kind words and kind actions. We can say today, I can build a Christmas future by simply treating people the way I would want to be treated. So what do you say? You want to go back to Christmas present or, or stay here? What do you think? Stay here, stay here. All right, I agree. I'm going to power this guy down and we're going to stay right here in Christmas future. It's a future that we get to build together. It's a future we get to enjoy together where we get to be good people following Jesus, kind, patient, generous, non-judgmental, kind words, kind deeds. Let's live in Christmas future. It's the future Jesus came to build. 